You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers knock off the Marquette Golden Eagles 96-73 to in a game that Indiana controlled from the start. They never let up and a huge win over a ranked opponent in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. You know, we weren't really sure what we had with this Indiana team after wins over Chicago State and Montana State, and obviously you're, you're still never quite sure what you have after only three games, but uh, I think this game told us a lot about where this team is right now, especially what they were able to do with Devontae Green and Zach McRoberts and Race Thompson all out. Uh, just a really terrific performance top to bottom for your Indiana Hoosiers, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And I tell you, for the Banner Moment, let's just go back to the first play of the game because it absolutely set the tone for what was going to happen. Rob Finnessy drew the assignment of Marcus Howard, Marquette's outstanding guard, a terrific scoring guard, a terrific shooter. We all wondered who would guard him because one of the keys coming into this game was for Indiana to make him an inefficient score. Knew he was probably going to get his points. You had to make him work for him. Well, in that very first possession, Rob plays great D on Marcus Howard, harasses him. It ends up leading to a steal by Romeo Langford. Indiana wouldn't score on that play, but it did set the stage for what was to come, which was a terrific defensive effort as Indiana would get four steals before the under 16-minute uh, timeout, before the first media timeout, a 19-4 to lead for Indiana there early. And also it was Indiana's two freshmen, Rob and Romeo, really leading the way to this big early season victory as, as they were both just terrific. But, you know, just a terrific defensive effort by Rob Finnessy, also by Al Durham on Marcus Howard. He did finish with 18 points, but it was 6 of 14 shooting, never really got into a rhythm. And it was from the outset, the tone that Indiana set, letting him know this is going to be a rough game. This is a, you know, we're going to come out, we're going to defend, we're going to challenge everything, we're going to make it hard for you to get into the lane, we're going to make it hard for you to get open shots, and while some of Marquette's other players were able to get some opportunities and get going a little bit, Marcus Howard never was, and that's why Indiana was able to win this game by 23 points. And you could see it all right there from that first possession, really setting the stage for what was to come. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you as always by Hoosier Proud and now by Home Field. So for years, Hoosier Proud has been the best place to find Indiana-themed apparel that is made by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And back in August, our friends at Hoosier Proud took that expertise and created Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand that tells unique stories about a growing list of schools, including Indiana, of course, Butler, and also a host of smaller schools that are hard to find unique apparel for. And their Indiana apparel is definitely unique. You will find designs there that you can't find anywhere else. The website address is homefieldapparel.com. 
This week, as the weather starts to drop, check out Homefield's Tri-Blend Fleece IU hoodies and crewnecks featuring vintage designs from IU storied history, like the much-beloved IU Bison design. I actually uh, ordered uh, that sweatshirt today. Very, very excited about that. It looks good. It does. It does look good, Coach. And then back at their original website, HoosierProud.com, you will find the best State of Indiana-themed apparel, plus our official Assembly Call logo t-shirts, all while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. So the two URLs are HomeFieldApparel.com for IU gear and HoosierProud.com for everything else in Indiana, including the Assembly Call shirts. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, you can. As always, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout at either site to get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HomeFieldApparel.com and HoosierProud.com. Thank you. All righty, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's IU victory. Uh, it's hard to pick. Uh, it's hard to pick just one thing to talk about. But I, I know, we'll obviously, get to the rest of it uh, as we go. But I think you have to have to really start with the defense that IU was able to play on Marcus Howard and, and Sam Hauser. Hauser had a really good stretch in the first half, but I think he had twelve points, maybe even fourteen. Um, at the end of that stretch and end of the game with 18. Uh, Howard ended up with 18 as well, but took 14 shots to do there so, to get there. So those guys had 32 shots to get 36 points, um, wh- which, you know, to me really speaks to what IU was able to do defensively. Um, both Rob Finnessy and Al Durham deserve a ton of credit for, for the way they harassed Howard into tough shots. And even some of the shots that he did make, um, that was one of the things that I noticed early in the game. Even when they did score, they were difficult shots. Um, and the way IU played, um, you know, pick and roll situations was, uh, was really good for the most part. And, and they did just such a solid job of, of making his life difficult. Uh, and, and in a game that, you know, IU let him, you know, kind of creep back in a couple times. I really thought the, the big stretch was to begin the second half where IU really just asserted itself and took control. And we started to see with this team that they've started halves a little bit faster, uh, particularly second halves where they've really come out with a concerted effort to get the ball inside. And I think that was one stretch where they had 14 points on five trips. And one of those was a, you know, Juwan got fouled. Uh, Justin Smith got an offensive rebound. And then Juwan, you know, scored and got fouled again. So I, I counted that only as one trip. But, uh, you know, after not scoring on their first possession, they had 14 points on the next five trips. That extended the lead to 20. And I'm not sure it got any closer than that the rest of the night. So to me, it was uh, it was defensive effort from pretty much start to finish and, and that run to start the second half that really put the game away. Absolutely. All right. Well, we do not have Ryan Phillips here with us. I was in Maui. He is in Maui, as he likes to let us know. And unfortunately, yeah, we were staying in the rainforest with no Wi-Fi. Yeah. So not a good enough connection for him to join us. But we do have the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with us. Coach, that means it's Tonsoni time. Take it away. So much to react to from this performance. You know, I I agree with Andy. Where do you start? Um, You you can pick just a, a, a wide range of things to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk about the point guards offensively. Uh, I, I incredible night for Al Durham and, and Robert Finnessy running the ball club. I believe if I'm looking at the stat sheets, 13 assists between the two of them with one turnover <laughs> and, and uh, 25 points. And, and at halftime, Durham had all four of his rebounds at halftime and his five assists at halftime. And he didn't build the stats in the second half, but I thought he was solid defensively in the second half. So we, Last year, we're struggling with point guard play, and, and early we wanted to be careful because of who we're playing and, and Devontae being out. The, the point guard play has been solid so, so far this year, and tonight 
it was dominant on both uh, both ends of the floor. And, and you know, when you cause the best player to have three turnovers in the first six possessions, and you set the tone that you're coming into our house and you're a great player, but you're never going to get in the rhythm, and we're going to go 25 combined with with those 13 assists. Uh, th- that's that's really good basketball from the point guard uh, position, and I think that's just so important. We know we have uh, some solid play elsewhere, but when you can get uh, that play uh, out of your point guards, it's fantastic. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's 23-point victory over Marquette. So I'm sure we'll spend some more time talking about the point guards because they were you know, terrific, and especially given the context of Devontae Green being out and having to play uh, a lot of minutes. I mean, Al Durham played 35 minutes tonight. Rob Finnessy played 27 minutes tonight. Let's talk about the other guy who played 35 minutes, who was the best player overall on the floor, and that was Romeo Langford. Romeo finishes with 22 points. He was efficient, 8 of 15 shooting. Uh, he had five rebounds, a couple of really tough rebounds in traffic, two assists, two blocks, three steals, only turned it over a couple of times, was able to play really good active defense, I thought, without fouling, only two fouls. So, you know, I do think that the story of this game is going to be what Al and Rob did, and, and, and they were both terrific. But Andy, the best player on the court was Romeo Langford, and he showed us so many different ways that he can score. And there was a stretch there in the first half where just every single time he was getting into the lane, good things were happening. You know, he showed you the touch to be able to get the ball up off the rim. He showed you the ability to absorb contact, to be able to get to the line. He knocked down five of his seven free throws. You know, the only real blemish is that one of five shooting from downtown, and he probably forced a couple of them. Fine. You know, he was, he really showed, I thought, an advanced and mature offensive game. And it means a lot more in a game like this. Not that Marquette is some great defensive team, but you don't know what you can take from it against the athletes you're playing against, you know, with Chicago State and Montana State. This is a team with length and ability, and he was able to really get what he wanted on the court when he was committed to driving into the lane. I was just, I was really impressed with what he was able to do in his first high-pressure college game, being asked to play that many minutes. He was awesome tonight. Well, I, I thought that stretch that you were talking about coincided with what what for me was a really important stretch in the game. I used up 36-24. Uh, Juwan had just picked up his second foul. Finnessy had played for about a minute with his second foul, and both those guys went out. And, and if there was going to be a time that, uh, that Marquette was really going to be able to make a run heading into the half, it was going to be then. Uh, but Romeo had, I think, eight points um, during the rest of the half. I think eight of IU's 11 over the rest of the half and actually they built they added a point to the lead by then and went in at halftime up 13 instead of 12 so he he, and he really you know in a situation where everybody kind of knows who's going to get the ball uh with with juan off the floor um it didn't really matter he just looked for matchups that he could exploit found guys that he could take to the basket and he continues to just really be able to do that effortlessly and if you think back to to what was missing from last year's team in addition to the point guard play that uh, the coach mentioned you also had the holy crap Juwan's going out what's going to happen kinds of moments last year of how is this team going to score and and two of the better you know the guys who had played the best at that point in the game were on the bench I think Justin Smith might have even been out or maybe he came back in during that stretch but you know it was pretty much everybody knew Romeo was getting the ball IU needed to keep scoring to um, to maintain its lead and just you know every time down he 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 went right at it did end up getting called for that one charge which uh, I think you're to blame for it because you talked about the only good things happen when you drove to the basket. Although I think the guy was sliding his feet, to be fair. So we'll uh, we'll give you a pass on that one. Thank you. Coach, <laughs> your thoughts on the night for Romeo? 
I, I thought it, it's just what we can expect to play, uh, see from his play, his ability to get to the hole and even not get to the hole, split two or three people, take a bump uh, and, and use the glass to score. Uh, that's nice. The three point shooting will come. Uh, he's not a knockdown shooter, but he can hit that and, and he'll find that that rhythm. But one thing that I will point out about Romeo is his off the ball movement. Uh, there were a couple times there's one play. I think 10, 15 in the, in the first half, I have a top side dive. That's what we call it. When someone's in the post or someone drives baseline and someone from the top of the key drives the lane or dives into the lane. And I think it came from Morgan. Morgan was posting up. That's what I have written down. That that's the kind of things that he made the right cut. He cut hard, got the, the ball and scored. And I'm, I'm not sure if he got fouled on, on that play. So his movement um, away from the ball is, is just as nice to watch as his, fluid movements with the ball splitting players and, and getting to the rim. I thought Indiana early on, the first couple of possessions were a little scrambling on their transition offense. And then all of a sudden your transition offense looks really good when you make the first pass ahead to Romeo and the, and everyone's flowing back and he just says, okay, I'm going through. But I think you'll see this continue as Indiana gets better offensively to get the ball up a little bit faster and get it to Romeo on the wing while the defense is transitioning back and let him make those moves uh, that we saw. Those were a little bit more against the set defense, um, but they were early in a possession. I still think the early offense will come, and you'll see even better offense. Heck, we scored 96 points. Can I can't believe I just said that. But, you know, the early offense with Romeo is going to be fun, fun to watch. You know, the thing with Romeo and Rob that is so impressive, I mean, they both have really impressive physical traits. I mean, Romeo just leaps off the screen every time you watch him, what kind of athlete he is. Rob, it's it's maybe not quite as obvious at first, but you, you, you watch him more, you see the body control, you see the pacing that he uses with his dribble to kind of keep guys off balance. So, so you see these physical gifts that they have. But the, the basketball IQ that those two guys have for freshmen is just, you know, it's not that they're just smart basketball players for freshmen. They're just smart basketball players. I mean, they just, you know, like the, like the cut that you just mentioned, like they, they just, they see things and do smart things that you don't usually see freshmen do. Like Cody was like that when he was a freshman, just so smart, you know, early on. And, you know, Andy, it's just, it's one of those things. It's just, it's so impressive watching them because every time there's an opportunity to make a smart play, seems like they make it <laughs> and that's just so rare for freshmen well just the i mean the the turnover number from finessey overall i mean for you know as much as he handled the ball to have one turnover over the course of the game and um you know was able to get himself in a little bit of foul trouble but i thought was smart in the way that he played through that i thought romeo was the same way that archie you know trusted both those guys to to leave him in for in romeo's case for quite a, a long stretch in the first half for finessey's a, a little bit shorter but um, you can see, you know, that to me is a, a bit of a testament to that basketball IQ that, that he, those are guys that he trusts already to be able to play through that. Now, the flip side is you, you kind of turn around to the bench and like, I don't know who the hell else I'm going to put in, uh, if you're him. So maybe, maybe that, that forces you to ride it out a little bit with the injuries. But, um, I do think that speaks well to, to what he believes they, they're capable of even at this stage of the game. And, um, you, you know, we're certainly going to enjoy the one year of Romeo and and as we've you know tried to say we don't want to take that for granted at all but to think about what it would be four years of Robert Finnessy with this as the starting point is uh, is a pretty exciting thought as well but for now we'll just uh, enjoy this year's incarnation of the team and and go from there hop in coach I, I just 
I, I like the team's demeanor too. They're very excited about playing. They're very excited about making plays. You know, Romeo just, uh, he scores and, and it's not a lot of crazy uh, hype, but it's solid. He's there. He gives a high five to the guy in the front row. Uh, I like Juwan does that too. A little, a little pump of his arms. You know, this team seems to be locked in. Um, and, and it's nice. You, you have to have fun at basketball too. And for me, an older guy, coach, I don't like all the crazy, you know, popping the collar stuff when when you score. But I do like to see that fist pump and that that excitement about making big plays. And I I like both Juwan and Romeo, uh, their their demeanor when they make solid plays. I, I think that's just so fun. You, so you did not like when Theo John of Marquette uh, had to flex after each if each of his two made baskets in the first half. You did not appreciate that. No, I, I once kicked my kid out of a fourth grade game because he popped his collar because the varsity kids told him to right in front of everybody. So, no, I don't like that. And, and it's tomfoolery. <laughs> it's it's got to be just the right the, just the right amount of tomfoolery. we got to strike a balance. And you have That's to earn right. it. You have to earn it. You can't do it when you're down by 15. That's right. That's right. All right, coming up, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's big victory over Marquette. I will point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsonia. We are breaking down Indiana's dominant 96-73 victory over Marquette at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. What a win for the Hoosiers. And it is time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. So, Andy, you know, I have written down on my notes here, you know, what happened at the beginning of the second half. And you kind of already outlined that. But it was just absolutely impeccable offense. So you just you kind of look down at, at what happened. You know, Rob Finnessy drives, finds a cutting Justin Smith bucket. Rob locates, you know, space beyond the three-point line. Juwan Morgan has it in the post, finds him with a, a beautiful cross-court pass, drains the three. Romeo drives, you know, just great body control, makes the layup. Romeo drains the three. Juwan misses twice, gets fouled, scores. Juwan takes it from the top of the key, scores, gets fouled. I mean, they had a plan. They showed a wide variety of ways that they can score, and it was just clinical coming out and making sure that Marquette, who had cut it to a 13-point game at halftime, making sure that they had no room to breathe. So, you know, that was outstanding, especially to see it come out of the second half. Because obviously, you know, in our past here, watching IU basketball, we haven't always been very impressed with what's happened at the beginning of second halves. But I want to go back to a possession in the first half, and this will lead us into talking about Juwan Morgan, whose numbers aren't going to jump out on the stat sheet, um, but who was tied for the lead in plus-minus tonight, and it was no accident. This team was noticeably better with him on the court. And, it, you know, you look at individual plays that really showed his impact. Right before the under-eight-minute timeout, it was 29-22. You know, Marquette had kind of made this little run, and they were threatening to get back into the game. And Juwan, I thought to that point, had really been struggling to get himself going offensively. He had taken a couple threes early in possessions. You know, he, he was playing a little bit more out on the wing and just hadn't really gotten himself going. Now, a couple possessions before, he had made a three-pointer. It was off of great ball movement. That's the kind of shot he needs to take. You know, not early in the shot clock, but once Indiana's run some offense and it's in the flow. Well, here at this play, it's 29-22. Indiana has it out of bounds under the basket. Juwan gets the ball. Uh, in the paint, he takes some contact, ends up scoring with his left hand. I think that's the first time that we kind of saw that flexing coach. And it seemed to really get him going. 
and it put Indiana up 31-22. He goes on the other end, plays terrific, really tough baseline defense on Ed Morrow, forces a turnover. It's 31-22 at this point, and I think Indiana went on a 13-2 run from, from this point on and really reasserted control. Now, Juwan would end up you know, picking up another foul and having to leave, and Marquette would score a couple buckets you know, while he was on, uh, on the bench, and that would kind of be... Uh, a theme when Juwan was out, you know, because of that foul trouble and because the game was decided there at the end, he only played 22 minutes, but he scored 13 points. He had eight boards. Um, and, and I thought those numbers didn't even really do justice because coach, while a lot of credit is going to be given to Rob Finnessy and Al Durham for their play on Marcus Howard, and rightfully so, Indiana really defended the ball screens well when Marcus Howard was, was in ball screen situations, did a great job of hedging, and there were several times where Juwan really came out to hedge hard and hustled back to get his man and covered a ton of ground, and Marquette was never able to take advantage of you know that kind of short-term advantage they have when you're stepping out there to hedge. So I really thought Juwan got back into the flow after that play there early in the first half and really put together a, a terrific night on both ends of the court. Yeah, I, I have a play. I don't have the time written down, uh, but there was a, a, a pass made into the lane and a weak side back cut, and the weak side back cut was wide open. I thought it was going to be a dunk, and out of from somewhere, and I'll have to see it on the tape, but all of a sudden Morgan flies over, and bodies up and, and walls up strong, and, and the guy missed it. And and those kinds of plays add up overall. And, and so that was that was good to see uh, that a lot of times what what these Indiana guys are doing, you could look on a stat sheet. We have it up here uh, on my secondary screen. But sometimes these things that you don't see add up. And when you got multiple players doing some of these hustle plays and covering for a mistake and hedging correctly and, and rotating, uh, and they're doing it all together. That's when you get a kind of a performance like tonight where you, you really make the leading scorer on the other team. But Jawan did that tonight. The other thing, we talked about this on the last postgame show, uh, the way he rebounds. I, I really love the, his physicality of, of blocking out. He's physical and just rips down rebounds. And you can tell when he's locked in, and I do believe it came probably after that play, but he, he got a lot of his rebounds after that as well. I love the way he's been rebounding. And again, that that helps um, Indiana in multitude of ways. You know, he also showed his passing. You know, that, that's the thing. When Juwan gets it on the block, the guy opposite, you know, and, and you kind of mentioned that with Romeo doing that, you really want to dive to the basket because Juwan will find you. Now, he also, for some reason, decided to rifle a couple of throws like he was Brett Favre. And Justin Smith probably still should have caught them. But, you know, maybe take just a couple miles per hour off those passes. <laughs> Juwan don't think they needed to be quite that hard. Um, you know, but Andy... You know, this may just be one of those things where, you know, Juwan's a little bit of a slow starter kind of getting into the season and, and you know, doesn't get too excited seeing Chicago State opposite uh, him. But, you know, you, you throw a big high-profile game like this out. And I just – I thought what was impressive was his mentality. You know, obviously Romeo was, you know, scoring a lot of points. You had Evan Fitzner picking up offensive slack. So outside of those couple threes Juwan forced, he didn't really force the offense, but just, like Coach said, did a lot of the little things – that didn't even end up in the stat sheet, but that contribute to a 23-point victory. Yeah, I, I did think he played really well defensively uh, in those ball screen situations and, and rotating back, which was, uh, which was you know, a key to how they were able to defend Howard by giving those extra couple seconds to somebody else there so that the guy guarding him could recover uh, enough. And so I think, uh, 
you know, I think that was that was really big. And yeah, he played he played so well in, in just a couple, you know, a couple stretches. He played well throughout. But yeah, the 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 score that you mentioned was kind of at the end of a big sequence for him. Uh, that was right after Hauser had really, you know, kind of gone crazy. The IU brought in Demizi, and then they basically like turned Sam Howard or Sam Hauser loose on him. Um, but Morgan hit that three, got the second foul on on Theo John to get him out of the game. Then he scored that bucket inside and created that turnover. So in that stretch there, I mean, he scores five points, gets a key, you know, creates a possession for uh, IU and, and gets a key Marquette player out of the game. And then and then similar to that in the beginning of the second half where he had the, uh, you know, the kick out for the three and in uh, and, and those two straight, you know, uh, and one opportunities, although he didn't convert the free throw on either one. But, um, you know, just kind of in those stretches, like it's so intense and really just took over the game in those in those couple uh, those couple things. And I think that's what you need. And it's it's funny that he's kind of an overlooked guy at, some, you know, in a game like this. I think Zach Osterman even tweeted it out. You know, I use up almost 30 against the team. Most people picked to finish second in the Big East. And at that point, I think Juwan had 11 points and eight rebounds and maybe played 20 minutes. He added uh, a basket shortly thereafter. But, you know, in a game when he did a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet, but just from a scoring standpoint, I, you had, you know, 90 points at that that time, roughly, and he had scored 10 of them. And um, so, you know, as he, you know, gets you know, he's going to have some games where he has a, a night like Romeo had tonight. And, and those are going to be uh, pretty incredible as well, but uh, a, a really solid performance from him really second straight as we, uh, as we kind of think about. So I don't think you're worried about him anymore. I, I would assume. No, I was never, I was never actually worried. I just was pointing out that he didn't play well and he didn't play well, but tonight he played great. Um, he was plus 29 tonight and that was tied for the lead on the team with Al Durham. Sometimes plus minus tells you a lot. Sometimes it doesn't tell you anything. I think it tells a pretty compelling story tonight because you could just tell Marquette was it was a lot easier for Marquette to get what they wanted down on the block when Juwan wasn't in there. And it was even easier for their guards to move when Juwan wasn't in there. So terrific night from him. You know, the other moment that I wanted to point out, Coach, and, and this kind of gets to what you were talking about, just those little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. And, you know, I marked this down. It's 67-46 with eight and a half minutes to go. Marcus Howard gets a ball screen and Al Durham fights through it. And because he fights through it, Marcus Howard doesn't get an open three. He can't turn the corner. He has to give it up. And it, it just, it's, it's again, it's one of those little things. It allows everybody else to stay in position simply because Al is alert and hustling. And he was another guy tonight where, I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet and his stats look pretty impressive, but not all of his contributions showed up either. I just thought I continued, I continuously found myself noticing small little things that he and Juwan were doing, especially defensively, guys who have some experience in this system that went a long way toward Indiana dominating one of the best offenses in the country. I, I think L did a great job of executing the, the defensive game plan. I thought the ball screen defensive plan was excellent, and I thought the bigs along with the point guards did a lot uh, to get deflections early and cause Howard to get stressed and, and get out of his game early. I thought that was uh, really interesting to see. And then Marquette went to a little, uh, I call it Denver action, but it's screen to screen or they would, Howard would screen in the lane and then come up the lane and get a screen himself. And we were, uh, Indiana was chasing, and that's a coaching decision to chase so that as soon as Howard comes off that screen, there's someone there so he can't get a clean look at the three. And I give credit to uh, Al Durham and Finnessy for really locking in on, on the plan and executing it. And I just think that um, that was well devised by the coaching staff. I thought they did a good job on the pick and pop early in the second half. Marquette made an adjustment 
went to the side pick and pop, which is a harder cover if you're going to hedge. And, and I think they might have gotten a basket or an open look, but they really didn't get back to it. So, yeah, I, I would say that Al, Al was really impressive um, tonight from uh, a, a lot of in a lot of areas. But defensively, when Finnessy needed a, a break or was in foul trouble, Al stepped in. And I think that might be a rotation uh, at the point guard for a while. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down Indiana's 23-point victory over Marquette. And it's time to go inside the numbers. You know, the thing is, Indiana played so well defensively. I mean, they held Marquette under a point per possession almost the entire game until they snuck right over one point per possession there during garbage time. But Indiana played well enough defensively to have been able to win this game even with an off night offensively. But Indiana played so well offensively, they scored 96 points, win by 23. And a big part of that was Indiana shooting 45% from downtown. They were 9 of 20, obviously buoyed by the 4 for 4 from Evan Fitzner. And Indiana, 73.9% from the free throw line. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a respectable night shooting free throws, 17 of 23. I mean, that's just, that's just nice. That's just nice to see. It's comforting. But and you know what the thing was? I thought they looked they just looked more comfortable taking the free throws. Like it's almost like, hey, bigger game. All right, enough of this jerking around like in the first couple of games. Let's get up here and knock these in. And they did. And that was obviously really nice to see. So those are obviously the big numbers that are going to jump out to everybody. Andy, what were some other numbers that jumped out to you about tonight's game? Uh, just to give people a glimpse into my mindset about things like this free throw shooting, I had this exchange with uh with Seth Tao at halftime. He he tweeted something out that I use eight for ten from the free throw line in the first half. I immediately did the hashtag no jinx that I think we've used on the show in the past and then proceeded to tell him that as I was writing down stats from halftime, I refused to even write out that I use eight of 10 from the free throw line. <laughs> so as not to, uh, so as not to mess with it. So luckily he's off the hook. They made, uh, they made nine of 13 in the second half. So everything, uh, everything is fine. Um, in terms of other numbers, I mean, points in the paint, uh, were big. IU had 50, um, and that just continued. They shot 74% on twos. I think they were 12 of 14 in the first half on twos, 26 of 35 for the game uh, on twos. So really, uh, you know, really were, were successful there. And an area that they were were a little bit less successful than they had been in the past, only 15 points off turnovers. Now, a lot of those, I feel like, came pretty early as they they forced that early flurry of turnovers and, and and um, converted those into points. But that was something that they'd really used to jumpstart themselves offensively. And that wasn't necessarily the case tonight, even though they still did a good job of, uh, of forcing those turnovers. So, but that was a positive, um, you know, the assist numbers were uh, continued to be pretty good. 18 assists on 35 made field goals. Although I think at a certain point that that ratio was, uh, was quite a bit higher and just four turnovers in the second half. I think things got a little sloppy there toward the end of the first half. They finished the half with nine, uh, but just four in the second half was uh, was a good number. So they continue to do a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball. Um, you know, got contributions from a number of guys, and and like you said, I think that you know the defensive story for me was as as much as anything. I I don't really know. I, I didn't look to see. You know, Marquette got a lot of points late as the referees apparently didn't want anyone to leave and continue to call fouls and and things like that. But uh, you know, limiting Marquette five of twenty three from the three point line, just twenty one percent, one of eight in the second half. Uh, was was a really impressive number, and uh, and I just you know it, it was pretty much a, a, a you know top to bottom, uh, really solid performance there from a statistical standpoint, and 
and even to hold them to 1.01 points for possession. I would be curious how many times uh, that happened to Marquette over the course of last season. I, I doubt it would be very many. Yeah, I bet not many at all. Uh, Indiana also wins the rebounding battle 35-29. That was a big key for Archie coming in. And it's worth underscoring, again, 13-1 to assist turnover ratio for Robert Finnessy and Al Durham. Just fantastic. Uh, Coach, what One other thing. Yeah. Hang on, one other thing on assist turnovers. Marquette only had eight assists for the entire game. Um, and I think that, again, speaks to the defense. I mean, they were really just forcing guys to, to make plays on their own. They weren't getting things in the flow of what they were really trying to do offensively. I mean, that's a – you have forced 14 turnovers to uh, compared to just eight assists and only one assist for Marquette in the second half. Um, so Wow, only one in the second half. That that's if these if these stats are correct, I have no reason to believe the fine people at Stat Broadcast are are leading us astray. But I mean, that's just that just speaks to how out of rhythm, um, you know, they had Marquette at that point, and and how much they took them out of what they want to do um, offensively from a ball movement standpoint, and, and all those kinds of things. Yeah, they had an assist rate of fifty one percent last season. So I mean, you know, they're they're a team that shared the ball well. Uh, Coach, what numbers jumped out to you? Well. I'm looking at the starts of each half. Uh, I have written down, I think it was the first t- TV timeout went a little longer, maybe five and a half minutes, six minutes. But but at one point, it was 19 to four to start the game. And then the second half, it was 14 to five. So that's 30, 33 to nine in, in probably 10 minutes, 11 minutes of action when you combine those starts to those first half. That just speaks uh, volumes. Again, you come out, you have a lead. You could let down and let a team get back in. And I think that uh, seeing those scoring margins early, if that kind of effort coming out of halftime to start the game is, is uh, a habit, I think Indiana is going to be in good positions. The other uh, stat was it, Indiana at fifteen fifty-eight. It was sixty-one to thirty-nine, and Indiana went three minutes and twenty-six seconds without scoring a point. But they scored five points, and right after that, at twelve thirty-two, they finally scored, and they scored again before that. And there's where the defense picked up. And, and as a coach, you know that offense will come and go. Sometimes it's bad decisions. Sometimes it's four shots. Sometimes it's just not going right. But when you have defensive um, effort and, and people locked in defensively, you can stop runs. And, and I felt that way. It was mentioned, one of us mentioned it earlier in the first half, uh, where, again, the defense kind of carried uh, Indiana. Um, I think it was Andy, the last 554. Uh, I was really concerned with maybe losing when some players were out, but those, those kinds of numbers and, and sequences mean a lot to, to a coach when you can, you can go back and show players that you locked in defensively when it wasn't going on the offensive end. A lot of teams, a lot of players will pout or hang their head when things are going wrong on the offensive end, or they don't get a foul call. Then the defensive side stops uh, so far in three games, we haven't seen it. Uh, and I think if that's consistent, uh, there'll be more wins than losses for the Hoosiers. Yep. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Marquette. We need to talk about Evan Fitzner. The new Ken Palm numbers are out. Indiana obviously moved way up. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. 
I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down every aspect of Indiana's 23-point victory over Marquette on Wednesday night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. A huge statement victory for Indiana, uh, coming on the heels of a huge statement night for the Big Ten as Michigan went out and absolutely waxed Villanova. So a really, really strong night uh, for the Big Ten tonight, which is always nice to see. Guys, let's pick up uh, some of the storylines that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Certainly, Evan Fitzner's uh, night uh, warrants some mention. You know, I, I thought from Evan, we saw some good and we saw some bad from him. You, you know, the good is obvious. I mean, 16 points, he's 6 of 7 from the field, 4 of 4 from downtown. His offensive output early was a huge reason why Indiana jumped out to the big lead. So, you know, on, you know, kind of on balance, he had a really strong night. But we also saw some of the weaknesses that Evan has that weren't really drawn out by Chicago State and Montana State because they didn't necessarily have the athletes to do it. But we saw tonight, you know, him be a step slow a few times defensively, you know, and that led to some open three-pointers from Marquette. It led to him being out of position and picking up some fouls. He did. He had, what, five fouls and and, and fouled out, and he played uh, 18 minutes. So... Uh, or maybe he only had four fouls, I don't know. But either way, certainly fouled too much. And, and so I thought we saw some of where he was able to be taken advantage of defensively. And we also saw on the offensive end, you know, he picked up a couple of, I think, moving screen picks, you know, had a few turnovers. So, you know, kind of got out of sync there a little bit, Andy. So, uh, again, on balance, a really strong night for Evan. You saw some of the rebounding, some of the shooting that you really want from him. Um, but, again, some of those weaknesses that he has that you're going to have to be careful of in certain matchups also came out a little bit at times tonight, too. Yeah, I think the the two offensive fouls came pretty close together to one another in the first half. One was a moving screen. One was, I think, he pushed off or elbowed somebody in the in the post trying to get position. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you saw that a little bit defensively. It wasn't, um, a, a great matchup for him. I mean, I think you, you contrast that to when Juwan was in playing the five, you talked about how well he handled those ball screen situations. Fitzner's just not equipped athletically to do that. I don't think. And, and, um, so, so I think he's going to have trouble in some of those kinds of matchups. And, and part of that was he probably could have played a little bit better had, you know, maybe Theo John not, gotten in foul trouble i think he was a, a more logical matchup for him in the game at that point they went a little bit smaller when um joey hauser was out there and i think he had a hard time you know guarding him a bit but um you know certainly offensively n- not a whole lot to nitpick to have a, a big guy be able to you know have a guy flying at him take a dribble step to the side and, and then drain a three right in the guy's face was uh pretty impressive and he was you know stepping into those threes with with a significant amount of confidence, uh, as you could tell, and so it looked like uh, it was very reminiscent of those the videos that the uh, the basketball <laughs> Twitter account would would fire off over the summer, where he just couldn't miss anything. So um, I think you get exactly with him what you you know a performance like tonight. I think is pretty much what you signed up for with him. I mean, probably on the high side, just in terms of the shooting and the scoring. But um, I think what was on display tonight was what he does really well, and what this team needed was a guy who can space the floor. Uh, and make shots. I think he's been a little bit better in the post than most people would have expected. And a guy who is probably going to have some struggles defensively, but you're going to put up with that to give you another guy who gives you an offensive weapon. So for me, if you kind of, you know, looked ahead to the season and what we've talked about with him, I think tonight is exactly what you probably would have expected. And um, I think he'll improve defensively, but I still think there's going to be situations that he gets put in given certain opponents that are going to be challenging for him. And uh, we'll just have to figure out how he can do that. But if, you know, he's able to not pick up cheap fouls offensively, he probably plays a little bit more. Those are really what took him out of the game more so than than fouls he committed on the defensive end. 
Yeah, you know, and Duran got out there too, and we even saw some time with the two of them together. And I, I just think defensively, it's going to be hard, coach, to play those two together against against better teams. But both guys really showed good things offensively. So it's you know, it's one of those things like they're they're really going to give you something on the offensive end. You just have to try and minimize how much they're able to be taken advantage of on the other end. Yeah, you know, and I didn't really notice Fitzner being that bad on the defensive end. I, I thought I thought Demise and Duran had bad first half defensively. Uh, and I, I thought that's where, the, you know, Marquette made that little run to get down to seven or, or eight or nine is I had a Demise. I think it was like 10 straight points for Demise and Duran. Um, the offensive fouls for Fitzner don't bother me. That's being physical. And the one was a real horrible call by the referees because the kid just put his face in Fitzner's elbow and flopped and got rewarded. Uh, and that, that's officials for you. I've only met two that I really like, you know, in my whole entire life because, they don't work hard, but anyway, um, so Fitzner's <laughs> offensive fouls that didn't bother me. I like him being aggressive. I like him posting up and I'd, I'd rather him put an elbow in some kid's face posting up, uh, so that he's multi-dimensional on offense defense. He had one pick and pop where he stayed too long and then he flew by the guy shot fake and he flew by. And that always looks worse than it is a little false hustle again there. But, um, I didn't think he was all that bad defensively. Maybe that's just my expectations that, you know, he's never going to be super great. Um, I thought Demise and Duran both played better defensively in the second half. But, boy, they they struggled um, defensively, and, and Marquette just went at him uh, in the post, isolate him baseline, drive baseline. Duran was real slow on the pick-and-roll coverage and, and, and forced – forced some help from the weak side in the lane and, and Marquette was able to then hit, hit for threes on, on the wing. Um, those, those two guys concern me a little bit more than Fitzner. Mm, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Let's talk Justin Smith, who Andy has clearly taken the mantle of favorite basket cutter. For, first it was Will Sheehy, then it was Troy Williams. Now it is clearly Justin Smith, who, you know, good things just seem to happen when he makes smart basket cuts. And, and that's, you know, it's one of those things we talk about the basketball IQ. That's one thing he's always really had is really good recognition of when it's a good time for him to flash to the basket, either from the short corner, you know, maybe from the opposite wing and be able to put himself in a position to score. And really tonight, that was mostly how he got his work done. He had eight points. He was three or four from the field. You know, and he, he had six rebounds, and I thought he had some moments that were pretty good defensively, but I thought he also had some uneven moments defensively. And I thought especially when it came to just being strong and smart with the ball, especially at the end of the first half, that's probably something that Archie is not going to be real happy with because you see sometimes, like, there's just – it feels like there's some games that Justin – has a little bit more passive of a mentality than others. You know, like the, you know, the one moment that comes to mind is when Juwan Morgan fired that, you know, 150 mile per hour fastball at Justin. And he, you know, he just kind of like put his arms away from it. Now I, I think he thought the pass was intended for somebody else, but there were some other plays, just kind of some, you know, one play where a guy took the ball right from him, a couple of weak passes, probably not the, the strength and assertiveness Archie wants to see. But I think we also saw really where Justin with the lineups he's likely to be playing with is going to get a lot of opportunities, which is not creating a whole lot of offense for himself off the dribble, but creating it with his offensive awareness and cutting ability. Cause he's, I mean, he's going to find himself open and he's got a lot of guys who are good passers who will be able to find him when he's open. Yeah. I think the, the cutting off the ball and we've talked about this with the way he's able to find space against zone defenses and, and those kinds of things. I think that shows up and, you know, he had a nice backdoor, you know, cut where he was able to score, had another nice drive where I think he found Juwan for a layup uh, later in the game. So 
he, I think it's an odd position for him. I think given different personnel on the team, he's probably a guy that could do more and could be asked to do more offensively. And I think he's starting to settle in a little bit over these last few games, really to, uh, you know, be in a pretty good spot of, of the kinds of you know baskets he's going to be able to provide. And there will certainly be games when he'll have the opportunity, uh, you know, to really, to really step out and do more. But I thought he was, I thought he was solid. I, I do think a couple of those fouls were just ones where he probably could have probably were avoidable. Um, in the long run, but, uh, you know, he played for a stretch there at the end of the first half with, with two fouls and didn't pick up a third. I thought that was important as well. Cause at a certain point when you're only playing eight guys, uh, and four of them have two fouls in the first half, you're gonna have to find somebody, uh, you know, to be able to play out there. And I thought he played for a little while, uh, toward the end of that first half that was there. And I think again, maybe, maybe it's reading too much into it, but for Archie being a guy who has been relatively unwilling to do that, uh, I think the guys he did let attempt to play through that probably speaks well to what he he thinks that they can do and uh, you know what what they're able to you know how how they're able to play in that way. So I thought he was okay. I thought he had some challenging matchups where they had some guys who wanted to try to take him inside. Uh, Sam Hauser wanted to play more outside. His his brother wanted to play a little bit more inside, and um, so Marquette in that regard a little bit of a, a difficult team for a guy like him to play who's kind of in a, a swing spot on the floor trying to really figure out what to do defensively. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's victory over Marquette. Coach, did you want to hop in with anything on Justin's night? Uh, you, you know, he was three for four uh, and two from from the field and two from two from the line. He scored eight points, and we had five guys in double figures. He would have been the sixth. Uh, sometimes on a team that has some offense, you, you might not get as many. Uh, I, I thought the thing that he's going to have to control is this, is fouling. And, and we're all aware that we want more shots at the rim to go in. Uh, but I, I like what I see, the athleticism. And, again, he had one of those topside dives uh, for a real nice dunk. That's good awareness. So keep being aware, Justin. Uh, you'll get your 15, 16 points some night. Um, and, and it's just around the corner. Ken Palm numbers are out. Indiana moved up. They entered uh, this game 24th in Ken Palm. They're now 18th. The offense is 19th overall. The defense 21st. So those numbers really starting to uh, to creep up there. Uh, and obviously a game like this means more against a team like Marquette. Um, you know, when it comes to, to some of these computer rankings, you, have, you would have to assume that with a victory like this, Indiana will be in the top 25 next week too. Nice to be in there. Let's stay for a while. I think uh, I think it'd be nice to, uh, to, to stick there for a while. Um, Let's talk about. We've covered most of the players here. Um, you know, Demise Anderson, another guy that you know came in, knocked down a three, but coach, I think you know, uh, really struggled defensively. But let's talk about you know Zach McRoberts out tonight, Devontae Green out tonight, Race Thompson out tonight. We don't really know exactly what not having Race Thompson meant, but we have a pretty good idea of what you lose with Zach McRoberts and what you lose with Devontae Green, and so. You know, to have this kind of defensive performance without Zach McRoberts out there, obviously very encouraging. And Devontae Green has been a guy that has, has played very good defensively. And you really thought that you would need him in a game like this with so much attention on the backcourt guys. So, you know, I know, and I saw some, you know, some comments in the chat, you know, uh, that, you know, that essentially, you know, you see Al do this, you see Rob do this. And now it's like, okay, so, so where does Devontae fit when he comes back? And, and again, you know, I really... I'm starting to think that, you know, with Rob's emergence, Rob is clearly the point guard for this team. I, don't, I mean, after a performance like tonight, I don't think there's any question when he goes out and does what he does. 
And we'll have to see how Devontae kind of responds to that. And Al, you know, clearly played terrific. But I think what it gives Devontae is an opportunity with some of those second units to really be able to come in and look for his shot more and be a little bit more offensive-minded. And if he can play the kind of defense that Rob and that Al are playing, obviously he's going to need to to stay on the court. Um, he's still going to be an extremely important player for this team and may actually end up in a role coach that suits him a little bit better. And to me, as you watch tonight unfold, that's how you could envision him being in this game and making an impact. And I think the question is just going to be, how does he approach that, handle that, given that all the talk all offseason was kind of that the starting point guard job is his? Yeah, and I'd like to start too. Uh, Demisi taking the minutes that he did, and I'm not sure how many he got in. 17 minutes is valuable with those injuries. Yeah. Whether he played great defense or not, I thought he only turned the ball over once. I thought he moved the ball really well, and actually, the shot that he made, I thought was a bad shot. I thought he was it was contested, but he <laughs> hit it. So. I said, "I'm sitting yeah. on the couch. I'm like, we don't want that one, Demisi." And then he swishes it. My yeah. wife just um, looks at me like, "What do you have to say now?" I'm like, "Well." But what valuable <laughs> minutes for a guy that we all heard had been struggling for a while and, and and really on the defensive end to come out and against a high quality opponent and not a must win, but a really important win for, for Indiana for a variety of reasons, those 17 minutes bought valuable time to get with, with the lack of depth that we all of a sudden had with four, four injured players. So, so I want to compliment Demisi on that, even though a little critical about, about his defense, you know, Devonte's a ball player. And the best thing sometimes for ball players is 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 to be uncomfortable with your minutes and your time. And I think I believe we'll see an improved Devonte and in a role that coach will define uh, for him. And I think it'll be off the bench. I think it could be off the ball. I still think he could handle some point guard minutes. But Jared, I think you're right that Rob Finnessy is a clear cut point guard, and Al Durham tonight showed that he could. Uh, be that when Rob went out of the game so it could very well be those two handle the point guards and and Devontae backs up everyone else and I've been saying it uh, instant offense off the bench and and maybe that's more his game so I do agree with that I think that's probably where we're headed once he gets healthy Um, we'll see I'm seeing Twitter reports, Andy, that Archie Miller referred to Rob Finnessy as a stud tonight in his post-game press conference, which does, you know, isn't, maybe, out. <laughs> isn't, maybe, isn't maybe what you would expect uh, from Archie, but I think what, uh, what all Indiana fans uh, are kind of thinking, because he was, he was terrific tonight. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, t- take it away, Andy. Well, I mean, what to, where do you go from there? Uh, no, I, I, I do think... Um, you know, when, when you look at that, I, I do believe what you, the way you kind of let in the conversation was, what are you going to get? Who's going to kind of fill in the shoes of a, of a Zach McRoberts. And I thought Al Durham was a, uh, you know, was, was as good a, a proxy for that as you could get with a little bit more offense mixed in the way that he really came out and, um, was impressed with how, how confident he was stepping into those threes from the wing, uh, made one during that big run in the half and, and really allowed his defense and, you know, his aggressiveness on that end of the floor carry over offensively. He made all four of his twos and was really aggressive driving the ball. And I think that's really what they want from him. And, and Archie's talked about, um, you know, wanting him to really be a defensive stopper and and took a step in that direction tonight. So it, it's going to be hard to to do something other with those point guard minutes than what they did tonight based on how those guys played. 
Absolutely. Okay, let's let's get to the final segment here. Coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game ball. I don't know how we're going to pick that. Uh, take a quick look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's big win over Marquette. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, filling in for Ryan Phillips tonight. And we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's thrilling, dominant 96-73 victory over Marquette. A huge early season victory for Indiana here. Uh, a statement game that should vault them into the top 25 next week when the polls come out. So, guys, this is going to be a tough one. You know, sometimes these game balls are pretty obvious, but I think there are a lot of different ways that you could go with it tonight. So it'll be interesting to see where everybody goes. Uh, Coach, over to you first. Who gets your game ball? I'm going to go Al Durham. Um, really impressed with, with his confidence, uh, with his drive game. Uh, I see he, he was one of four from three, but he shot, I thought, shot confidently and, and really set the tone both offensively and defensively in the first half. And, you know, 13 points, four rebounds, five assists, no turnovers, two for two from the free throw line. Um, congratulations, L and, and Joel in the chat mob, uh, who's a big L Durham fan. <laughs> there you go, buddy. L Durham. That's my game ball. Okay. Game ball for Al Durham. Andy, who gets yours? Uh, I would like to nominate, uh, I use two-headed point guard uh, that I have dubbed Albert Duracy. Uh, I thought that that, uh, that combination was just too good. And that's what we have to get now. I, um, if I, if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, um, man, that's, that's really hard. That's a good problem to have. I, I'm going to go with Romeo, I guess I, I go back to that stretch when, oh, when way to stretch it. I know. I know. Hey, I, Hey, I created a fictitious, uh, combination of players. So don't, don't act like I just phoned it in and picked Romeo. Um, I, <laughs> You know, I, I just thought that stretch in the first half when when Juwan and Finnessy were out, the way that Romeo asserted himself in that stretch really kept IU in a comfortable position heading into the locker room. And if he's not able to do that and be out there and play the rest of the half after picking up his second foul and the game gets to a six-point game, who who really knows um, how the game plays out? So I thought that was a critical stretch. I thought he came up huge in that stretch for, for them and, and would do it. But I'm not going to argue with anybody who would pick, uh, who would pick Al or Finnessy uh, or heck, maybe even Evan Fitzner, uh, with how he came in off the bench or, uh, or things like that. So I, I will have no qualms with whoever, uh, whoever we go with here for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Al's a great choice. Uh, certainly, you know, shout out to, uh, to Rob Finnessy, um, and shout out to Valerie who loves Rob Finnessy. I really like Rob Finnessy. And she, I mean, speaks for all IU fans and those guys certainly deserve credit, but I'm already on record earlier tonight saying Romeo Langford was the best player on the floor. And if you're the best player on the floor and you produce what he produced in terms of points and just stuffing the stat sheet. And look, you know, you talk about who helps compensate for Zach McRoberts loss defensively. Romeo helped compensate for that because he was really good defensively tonight, really locked in. And for him to come out and perform like he did, uh, you know, in his first game on a big stage, I mean, he was just, he was awesome. So, you know, I suppose you could say, you know, a night like tonight, you know, you win by 23 points. You don't need all of those points to win. That, to me, would be the argument for Rob and maybe Al is that their defense really set the tone on Marcus Howard. 
But I just thought Romeo was so good all around and had a big hand in that defense and getting some of those steals early that really set the tone um, that, to me, uh, he gets the game ball. But look, and, and I think you could even make a case for Juwan because he's a guy that we haven't mentioned, but he was so impactful overall on both ends. So this is what we want. This is going to be a good season if this segment is really, really hard every night. It's exactly what we want. So you could go in a lot of different ways. Um, but since Andy and I both picked Romeo, uh, Romeo wins. And look, I mean, you know, I'm looking in the chat mob tonight and we're getting Calvert Chaney comparisons for Romeo Langford, and I'm not scoffing at them. I saw someone compare Rob Finnessy's, uh, you know, just offensive kind of smoothness and confidence to Mike Woodson as a freshman. You know, these are some of the names that are being tossed around here with what these freshmen are doing. And I don't think, you know, even the, the oldest school IU fans would really disagree because that's how well they're playing early on in the season. So it's only been November, long ways to go, but I don't think Romeo or, or Rob could have had, you know, a better opening couple of weeks than what they've had. And that's been really impressive. Uh, so as we look ahead here, obviously we will have another edition of Assembly Call Radio coming up Thursday nights. So we'll be able to break down more of this game and talk about, you know, some of the more macro uh, issues that a game like tonight uh, kind of brings up. But Andy, after that, a really huge opportunity for Indiana on Sunday at Arkansas. I tell you, you know, it's really nice to have this win in your back pocket because I think, you know, if you had told people, you know, you know, yesterday, hey, Indiana's going to go one and one in this Marquette Arkansas stretch, I think most of us would have said, okay, you know, that's not ideal, but that's acceptable. It's early. You know, this is a young team. Now Indiana's got a chance to go there, coming off a twenty-three point victory. And then, you know, put a huge road win in their back pocket. So we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. It's going to be a tough game. But I think we all certainly feel better about our chances after what we saw tonight. So what awaits us at uh, Bud Walton Arena? Yeah, Arkansas, I, I have not really gotten to watch them play yet this year. But they're really young, have a lot of newcomers. Uh, really, Daniel Gafford, the the sophomore big man that they have, uh, was the only guy of note to come back from last season. So they're playing, uh, you know, some a number of freshmen uh, and inexperienced players, junior college guys in their in their key lineups. So a little bit hard to tell. They've lost. They're one and one. Uh, lost in overtime to Texas uh, at a uh, on a neutral court to start the season. I think it was at a military base somewhere in Texas. I actually was not super high on Texas or not as high as other people coming into the season. So uh, I don't read a ton into that. Um, and then they beat UC Davis by twenty three on Monday, although I, I seem to recall looking at that score and it was a little bit closer than that for uh, for the majority of it. So, you know, a lot's going to be, you know, the big challenge in this game was how do you defend uh, a really good guard? The big challenge in the uh, Arkansas game is going to be how you defend a, a good uh, a good big man. Although thus far, you know, efficiency-wise, Gafford is at a 82.5 offensive rating. Whoa. So Whoa, he's going to use, good. yeah, he's using, you know, upwards of 30% of their possessions uh, and shooting relatively well from two point range, but um, you know has a thirty four percent turnover rate, and uh, so that's obviously uh, that's obviously not helping. Been getting to the free throw line a decent amount, and drawing a lot of fouls, so that'll be important uh, in a game that uh, you know coming off the game tonight where you know there were a lot of fouls called. So he's really the guy uh, to watch, I would say. Uh, that's there. I think the other the other person I've heard mentioned is a freshman Isaiah Joe, who has done uh, relatively well for them. So those would be. If there's two names to look at, you know, one thing statistically, uh, as you look, they have been, again, two games, take of this what you will, um, a really good two-point defense, uh, allowing just about 35% um, on on two-pointers, which is ninth in the country. Now, IU comes in after, you know, some of the numbers I said earlier, they're third in two-point shooting at 70.6%. So, um, 
you know, that's kind of something to watch for is really the battle inside versus the battle outside tonight. And, uh, and certainly taking care of the basketball, they're going to play the, you know, the Mikey Anderson, um, you know, in the, in the Nolan Richardson style uh, of really trying to force turnovers. They've been pretty adept at doing that so far this season, um, as has IU, as we all know. And so um, taking care of the basketball will be a big key there, but I think IU will be able to get some, uh, ideally some easy baskets if they're able to, uh, to break the press and, uh, and get some shots at the rim. Man, you, know, you, you look at Indiana's Ken Palm page and really just some impressive numbers. Indiana right now, and again, all early season numbers, but at least now we have one game against a, you know, a team that was in the top 25. Indiana right now fourth in the country in effective field goal percentage while shooting only 35.5% from three-point range. That's that's pretty good, and a big part of the reason is the 70.6% from two-point range, buoyed in large part by the efficiency of Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford, who are just dynamite uh, in close to the basket. Indiana forcing turnovers on 26% of opponents' possessions, so not good for Daniel Gafford. He better start taking the ball, taking care of the ball a lot better, or Indiana's going to force him into a lot of turnovers. Opponents shooting 18.6% from three-point range against Indiana. And, you know, Marquette tonight, what were they, 5 for 23? Something like that. Now, granted, they missed, you know, some good looks uh, that, you know, maybe they normally make. But, hey, maybe just the intensity of Indiana's defense, you know, made those looks seem a little bit out of rhythm. You know, made guys a little bit rushed. And all those things, you know, coach kind of add up. And and you get numbers like that. So uh, the early season numbers all looking really positive so far for Indiana, and they'll have a, a chance to build on those numbers on Sunday against Arkansas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. I went there uh, actually just earlier today, bought the the fleece uh, sweatshirt with the Bison logo on it. Can't wait to get it. Uh, and if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for Last Call. Uh, this is definitely one of those shows, one of those games where it's been kind of fun to linger a little bit longer, have a little bit of a longer show, but it is time to uh, to wrap things up. And we only have to wait 24 hours to talk about it more since we'll be right back here for Assembly Call Radio tomorrow. Um, but coach, uh, last call, your final thoughts on Indiana's big win. I, I just think it was impressive because some things that we were wondering about, three-point defense, uh, can we stop the, the, the offense of Marquette? What, is our offense going to get into a flow those types of things. How are we going to play against a good opponent? And and I think those things were answered tonight. I think a lot of Indiana fans were wondering, can we beat a Marquette? Are we going to be there? We're now starting to move, I think. And, and, and again, it's still early, but we're starting to move back to Indiana basketball where wins are expected and losses are shocking instead of trying to see how we could possibly lose uh, every tough game. Uh, yes, we have some tough ones with Duke and things going forward, but this is reminiscent of Indiana basketball, outstanding defense that starts, that leads to great offense, sharing the basketball, and, and it is fun to watch. It is, it is fun to see again in Assembly Hall, and it'll be fun to see it go on the road, which presents its own challenges, too, of the first trip and plane trip and hotel and all of those things. But what a, what a great effort. Next man up uh, because of the injuries, and we don't even have our full squad yet. So. Proud of the Hoosiers tonight. Excellent effort, and, and let's bring it again Sunday. 
All right, fun bit of uh, quick trivia here, Andy, before we get to your last call. Teddy Bailey on Twitter had this. This is Indiana's largest margin of victory against a ranked opponent since when? Largest margin of victory against a ranked opponent. Anything Anything come to mind? Ryan, mm. Ryan talks about this game a lot. Is it? It's clearly one of his favorites. Uh, was it? Was it the, the North Carolina game? Yep, North Carolina game in 2012, the beginning of the 2012-2013 season where we blew their doors off. They were ranked uh, 13th at the time. So, very nice. There you go. All right, mm-hmm. glad, I, glad I pulled that off. Uh, you know, I, for me, this game was a really good showing for IU's resiliency with the injuries and, and just a general toughness about this team where you're starting to see them embody what their coach really wants and kind of what he he has been as a player um when you look at their identity defensively is really starting to form and just the not making any excuses doesn't matter who's around doesn't matter who's in foul trouble somebody else steps up and and they kind of bridge everything together uh into a really solid performance and so uh a, a really good you know we talk about the season like it's a you know a puzzle kind of coming together and you learn a little bit more and you learn a little bit more uh i think the point guard piece of the puzzle has officially been put into place and uh, now the question is, can you get everybody else healthy and figure out how to split all these minutes up? But, um, but, it, but just a really impressive performance. That you know, again, can't say enough about Al Durham really stepping into a much larger role than he played at any point last year, and certainly at any point through the first few games of this season, uh, and, and really rose to the challenge. He's a guy that we talked about a lot in the off season, and, and I said before the game, it was a really good opportunity for him to, uh, you know, kind of put his stamp on on his on what he's going to be over the rest of his IU career. And it was a great, uh, you know, great performance by him tonight. And um, this is going to be a fun team to watch. I already found myself, you know, really looking forward to this game in a way that I think over, you know, we, we know this having done the show, you know, you have to do the show. You're, you know, we're going to watch the game regardless. Um, it's a pretty good, it tends to be a pretty good barometer of, am I really looking forward to watching this team and figuring out what's going to go on and then talking about it for a while afterward, or am I not? Uh, and I found myself over the last couple of days, kind of like trying to count down the time until the game was there. So uh, for game three of the season, I feel like that's a pretty good sign and uh, got a little bit of time until Sunday. Hopefully some guys can get healthy and, and be back for that game. I think that is going to be uh, a tough one, but as you think about it from an NCAA tournament perspective, as, as Brian and I uh, do, in addition to wearing our IU hats, it's a it's a good chance to get a road win that's going to uh, that, that should look pretty good by the end of the season, even if Arkansas finishes where they're projected to finish in the SEC. Boy, it's a you know it's amazing the difference that a few hours makes. I, I tweeted out after I heard Fish say that Devontae was going to be out and Zach McRoberts was going to be out, you know, because they were kind of game time decisions. And I thought it myself. It's like, okay, this is going to be this is going to be tough because you don't have Zach when you know maybe your best defender. You don't have Devontae, so you're so thin at the guard position. When you know defense against Marcus Howard is going to be such a huge part of this game. Boy, this is really starting to feel like a tenuous proposition for Indiana. And then they go out and it's 19 to four before a lot of fans have even taken their seats. I mean, that is, that is a statement. I saw, you know, Evan Fitzner, you know, kind of said something in the postgame press conference about, you know, this kind of putting Indiana back on the map a little bit. And it does, you know, this is going to put Indiana back in the top 25. Uh, This is, this was a good statement game early in the season. And you never want to draw too many conclusions early in the year. We're only a couple of, you know, of seasons removed from having a couple of huge early season wins and, you know, thinking we're back and starting to make final four plans. So we know that early season wins don't necessarily mean it's going to carry through the season. But I think what was so great about tonight 
is it felt like everything that happened was sustainable. It wasn't just a hot shooting night. It wasn't just everything coming together. It was actually a team facing some adversity and you know having some guys play in, in different positions and doing a little bit of, of different things and coming through with huge performances like Al Durham, you know, like Evan Fitzner. Um, and so that was just, that was great to see, uh, you know, early in the season, see a lot of chemistry and see it be driven on the defensive end. You know, this game really felt like it had Archie Miller's stamp on it in so many different ways. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of the, uh, the players tonight. We haven't really talked a lot about Archie. Um, you know, maybe, maybe ease up on the guys in practice or something. I don't know <laughs> to get everybody healthy, but man, outside of that, uh, you know, he really seems to be pushing the right buttons with this team and clearly had the defense ready to go for a big challenge. Uh, and despite, you know, his comments about the offense seeming out of rhythm, uh, the offense really looked good for large stretches of the game tonight. So a really impressive team performance, a huge win for Indiana to get early the season. Uh, and now they have a big chance on Sunday to build on it and keep this early season momentum going, uh, as we, we look to have a successful second year uh, in Archie Miller's tenure here at Indiana. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you tomorrow night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.